Hi, I'm Chantelle. And I'm Matthew. And we're founders of Fifth Place, where our mission is to make the world a better place by enabling the how. Welcome, Welcome to, to our Emotions Matter, Matter Really podcast. podcast. In this podcast, we explore everything about emotions, feelings, and what it is to become and remain emotionally fit. We interrogate the taboo around expressing and talking about emotions and feelings. We talk about all those things we want less of, like stress, anxiety, and burnout, and the things we want more of, like sleep, calm, and self-care. We explore tools, tips and techniques for managing your emotions. We examine what it means to be emotionally fit and why this equals a better quality of life. Hello, hello. <laughs> We're back again for another podcast after a full week. Lots of variety. Uh, we had fun working with some interns, some drama therapy interns, and introducing them to our work, particularly from a self-care perspective. And then we had some wonderful engagement around our a podcast, our last podcast that we recorded too, which was fantastic. Hello, hello. It's nice to be here again. Thank you. And just in case you're wondering, both of us are feeling fine as rain. <laughs> But talking of rain, yes, gardens are now, in this part of the world, really asking for it, asking for the rain. We've reached effectively the end of, of winter, and uh, by this time in Johannesburg area, certainly, mm. we don't get rain during winter as a rule, so everywhere is looking a bit parched and a bit brown. Mm -hmm. But a lovely, lovely week. Seems like the pillars of emotional fitness are really a hot topic. <laughs> if you did listen to it, you will have remembered or heard that we were going to explore bits and pieces of it in future podcasts. So given the reaction, I guess that is something to look out for in the future. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and today we're back with another fabulous offering. Um, and this comes from a recording or conversation that we had quite a couple of weeks ago, if not months ago, in the middle of winter. And you'll see that uh, if you watch the video of this, that we are rather wrapped up compared to where we are today. And we're going to be speaking to an amazing gentleman by the name of Ben Ahrens. And he, he engaged with Matthew, or Matthew met him. When you, when you were doing another podcast, you, you were both sort of guests on that podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. I met Ben on a podcast about neuroplasticity. We were mutual guests, I, I guess. And he actually places so much value in neuroplasticity that he co-founded an organization that does really amazing work. And he has a fascinating journey of how he started out really healthy, got really ill, and looked at what options were available to him and eventually decided or maybe decided is the wrong word perhaps but chose to look at alternatives and look at how neuroplasticity can support healing and it really is a fascinating journey and uh, you'll also know that he offered us a beautiful poem as well so Chantel is off the hook this week sit back relax and enjoy Yes, enjoy. Hey, Matthew. Hi, Chantel. Hi there, Ben. So hey. nice to, to see you. And I'm just saying to Matthew that I hope we've got enough storage space in the cloud for this recording because I don't think we've deleted <laughs> stuff anyway. So oh, yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah, let me see. Maybe I can. Oh, no, I can't record it. But, you know, you can also record it to your um, desktop and then just yes. upload it wherever you like. Yes, well, we'll just hope that it's going to be fine. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, I like your, your pictures in the back, the uh, Emoto water crystals. Nice. Yes. Yeah, yes. beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we've got one here and one in our lounge. So it's it just it's the love and gratitude crystal. Oh, nice. We think that's something that's nice to be reminded of. Definitely. <laughs> 
Yeah. And okay. how is your weather? I have to ask because when we last met, you were outside in this glorious looking sunshine. Yeah, yeah, it's still there. <laughs> the outside <laughs> world is there. Yeah, uh, yeah, really nice. It's been um, fairly dry these last few weeks, not too much rain or anything, just good summer weather. Okay, and I see you, you wanted to really make the contrast very stark, so you're wearing a very light shirt again. Yes, we got wrapped up, wrapped up. Yeah, oh, just all, all white and a face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Great. So um, I, I'm going to ask Matthew just to uh, put us put some context into the space, how he met you, you know, what you did, and then um, we can move into asking some questions. Um, it's going to be really informal. Um, we are recording, but, um, you know, we'll obviously, if there's anything, we it's quite fun for it to be a little bit informal and not yeah. so perfect. Uh, and so, yeah, I just, I think Matthew needs to come in and just put some context, give us some context around why we have been here today. Okay, that's a good question. And, uh, no, let's, uh, so hello, hello, and welcome to this particular podcast episode, just in line with or the theme of conversations. We have been honored, uh, and I, in some instances, I really would like to say thrilled, because there is a lot of resonance, I believe, in what we are doing, the collective we, all of us here. So I'd like to introduce Ben, whom I met on a podcast a few weeks ago and uh, subsequently to that we've connected and engaged and we thought it would be a good idea for us all to get together and have mm -hmm. a little chat. Yes absolutely that's great and it's lovely to have you here Ben. Um, yeah thank you so much for having me I'm excited to be here. Fantastic and so maybe what we can do is we can really start off at the beginning and just get a sense of your journey and we know that you have this amazing um, podcast and business called Reorigin. Uh, and maybe you can just sort of tell us a little bit about who you are, your backstory, uh, because it is fascinating and how you came to um, Reorigin. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I think, I think Reorigin was very much born out of curiosity, just always trying to understand more about the human being and in general, just how things work. Um, I think that was kind of a through line for me, even as a child was always taking things apart and like electronics and looking inside and trying to get an understanding of how everything works and ended up um, going to school for mechanical engineering and actually subsequently shifting later on into philosophy to peer into thought experiments and how the mind can work. And then in my mid twenties, I came up against the unique challenge that I couldn't really figure out with only a mechanistic view when I had gone from being a very healthy, active person, athlete and a trainer to being chronically ill and bed bound for three years with what had turned out to be Lyme disease, but was really a confluence of many different factors, including, um, you know, different things that I had come in contact with in the environment, but also very unique traits about why and how my body was responding to these things, which is you know, to say that everyone responds in a unique way. And we know that, you know, statistically or just from observation that you can expose a hundred different people to the same pathogen or environment or experience, and you can have a hundred different responses. And on the treatment side of things, you can give the same exact treatment to a hundred different patients and have them respond in completely different ways. So, um, you know, I became fairly fascinated, I would say, with that question of why did I get sick? Not from a woe is me, why did I, why me perspective, but from an actual curious question of why did my body respond this way? And most importantly, is this something that I can work with and influence? And how can I, you know, change my body's own responses to things? And that led me down the journey of learning about the brain as sort of the central processing unit, how it processes information and leads to the very intricate choreography of all of the organs and cells and systems that make up the human body um, and even deeper into emotions and their role in health and healing. 
and just led me down this decade-long journey of understanding on an even deeper level, you know, beyond just the mechanistic view, um, but a really truly kind of holistic view of, of what is it that governs the human being and the human bodily processes. And um, the primary focus of that research was, again, the brain and neuroplasticity, this, this what I consider to be extremely hopeful research that everything is extremely malleable, nothing is stuck, even though we might feel stuck or static at times, that in fact, every single thing in the universe, and human beings are no exception, um, is in a constant state of flux and change. And through our own actions and thoughts and behaviors and intentions, we can actually influence the direction into which that change proceeds. So practicing some different exercises that I learned and, and borrowed from neurocognitive rehab and NLP and Ericksonian hypnosis and behavioral therapy and pain reprocessing therapy and the list goes on, somatic experiencing and different things, um, just led me down all of these very intriguing facets of, of the human being and, and how we can you know, begin to um, shift and alter our own, our bodies and immune systems reactivity. Um, so long story short, that culminated in me recovering my health after several years of trying different things and putting pieces together, um, which only furthered my fascination with what the human being is really capable of. And so I started working with individuals and then teaching some group workshops and uh, was also working with a, a number of doctors, uh, which was my main work and, and uh, source of income at the time was uh, putting on these medical seminars. So I got a chance to meet a lot of different doctors in, in all different fields, osteopaths and naturopaths and conventional medical doctors and um, really a meeting of the minds where a lot of different people came together. And through that and some of the people that I had uh, met over the years in that work, um, I started what's now the Reorigin Brain Trust, which is a, a team of clinical doctors and psychologists and PhD neuroscientists who really have a, a complete, or I won't say complete, but a holistic, a full, uh, uh, robust understanding of um, you know, this whole brain-body interface. And they've helped me to develop this program, what's now called the Reorigin program. Um, and we're yeah, starting to, to see and assess you know, people from all over the world uh, who are also struggling with some of these chronic, very difficult to understand conditions um, and then so far so good, we're seeing amazing results. That's fantastic. And it, it sounds to me that your journey was very similar to ours, but um, obviously was initiated very differently. Uh, when you talk about all the, the research that you did into all these different modalities and working with them, very similar to the, the kinds of things that we did, um, but not in order to necessarily heal uh, you know, something that we had, we were looking at externally, looking at trauma and uh, trauma specifically in the, the school space. But amazing that when something really takes hold of you and uh, it's like, that's the, that's the purpose. There, there's a need. I mean, you could have just left it up to the doctors. You could have just left it up to, you know, the medical fraternity, but you basically took this as an opportunity to um, really deep dive into what it is that you were going through and to deep dive into a whole range of um, um, sort of alternative, but also uh, just a wide range of um, modalities and um, um, what can we say, like, um, yes, modalities, I don't know, that, yeah. that been engaged with uh, in order to, to find um, ways of healing. And I think, I don't know whether you want to say anything before I move on to talk more about healing. Well, just a, just an observation. I think it's remarkable that you, first of all, went on the journey. You had the tenacity to, and the flexibility to keep going until you came out the other side, you know, with the, with the proverbial holy grail. And then that wasn't enough because then you wanted to share your experience with other people. And I think that's something that's really just worth acknowledging um, because whatever that is, that's part of you, there's, I think, a resonance with us in terms of that particular approach because it's not enough just to do it for me. I mean, 
not enough just to do it, do it for myself, but I also then want to make the world, as we like to say, a better place. Because there are so many inane activities that take place in the world. And the question we ask sometimes is, how are you or how is that contributing to a better world? And, and what you did very, very, very meaningfully, front and center, contributes to a better world. Yeah, no, thank you for 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 calling attention to, to that. And I, I remember distinctly when I was going through the my own healing and recovery journey, I became uh, really enamored by um, alchemists. And there are actually throughout history, many practical alchemists who would call themselves as, as such. And although they might not have been, you know, in, in the literal sense, converting lead into gold, they were working with plant medicines and other things and even uh, forms of, of so-called spiritual alchemy. But the, the main orientation was always about this uh, basic premise that even I think Paracelsus said that, you know, nature is raw and unfinished. And our role here as human beings is to evolve things to a higher level. And I think there's so many ways in this day and age that we can do that. And again, a more literal sense that some of these alchemists were working with specific plants and even, uh, you know, cooking is an act of alchemy because you are combining different things that are raw ingredients in and of themselves and combining them to become something that didn't exist before, something more than the sum of its parts. And I think as human beings, we also can follow the same alchemical process. We can take ourselves apart in a you know um, figurative way. We can look at and understand on, on deeper levels, these different systems in, in the human body and that, that constitute who we are. Um, and then by putting them back together, we in a, in a sense become more than you know, the, the sum of our parts prior to having gone on that journey. And so I think that is the, the, the alchemical process and the, the sort of hero's, you know, journey is to take the pieces apart, go into areas that might be uncomfortable at a time, but then ultimately to come back out of it. And, you know, like you said, with that Holy Grail, or even we see this in nature where a tree, you know, the, the process of a tree becoming what it is, starts off with a single shoot, a single stalk that becomes the trunk. All of these branches go off of it. It becomes more and more fractalized and complex with these little branches. And then after all is said and done, it drops a single seed and the process mm -hmm. starts again. And so I think as human beings, we go on these journeys that um, I remember a couple of times I, I had these, um, these playing cards that were like these little alchemist cards, they had different sayings on them. And I drew this card on this one time and it said, simplify your life was the advice. And it was sort of funny when I think back to it, because from that moment, life became way more complex. You know, I went on this journey and just, it seemed like there was infinite directions to go into and things to learn and never ending things to explore. And then, but it does come back to a certain simplicity. It does come back to dropping a single seed and I think that's ultimately, you know, what um, I tried to create with Reorigin is sort of a, um, you know, condensation of all of this experience that I had picked up throughout the, the many years and, you know, turn it into a single digestible unit thing that people can actually, you know, take action on and, and use to plant that seed within themselves. Yes. That's lovely. I like the, the, the idea of the seed, planting well, the, the seed. Tree. I mean, the we tree. have, yes. What are they? We have something which is called the ABC of life. Mm. And the A is act like a tree. <laughs> and uh, the, the metaphor of the tree and the seed, and especially the fractal side of it, is, is really beautiful. Mm. Mm. We also have seeding equality, which we do. Mm. Uh, process that we do as part of the emotional fitness class which we call seeding equality and that very idea of taking the seed and planting it um, and the quality that you wish to have more of in the world as well mm. so, uh, really can resonate with that uh, with that metaphor and I was wondering when you were talking about the healing process uh, I was wondering what it is that you believe is the key differential for healing you know, I think so many people are on a journey to heal themselves physically, psychologically, emotionally. Um, and obviously, there are lots and lots of opinions as to how to do this and when to do it and what ways to do it. What for you, in your experience, do you feel is the key differential for healing? Yeah. So, you know, when I started to 
dance around this notion and, and I think spiral in on it a little bit closer. Um, I, I referred to it as the X factor in healing. You know, what is this X factor? And, and the question, again, really came from a legitimate place of curiosity, but of course, necessity as well, as I was trying to reclaim my own health. Um, and the questions were, you know, when someone gets sick, why do they get sick? When, when someone else gets well, why do they get well? Because for years, I had gone to different doctors and met hundreds, if not thousands of different patients by this point, um, and realized that people were doing all sorts of different treatments, and some of them would, in fact, get well from certain treatments. Well, many others didn't. And there didn't seem to be any continuity, as far as I could tell, insofar as um, one treatment always had the same effect on everybody. It seemed like it was much more unique, much more individual. So, you know, it, the way it appeared in my mind is this, what is this X factor? You know, when, what is it that allows someone to get, to get well? And really what I, what I started to learn is when I learned about the brain, the, the nervous system and how the, the body is really an information storage system. And the brain is an information processing unit. It's sort of this you know, CEO of, of all of the cells and organs and systems in the body. And um, this X factor is, you know, there's, there's really two sides of the coin, as I see it, when it comes to, um, we'll start with the illness side of things. One of them is what is coming at us from the environment. And that includes our internal environment, our internal, what the, in biological medicine, they would call the internal milieu or the interstitial tissue or things like pH balance, levels of toxicity. So there's the physical constitution and physical things that we may come in contact with. And these include things like pathogens and Wi-Fi and mold and anything in the environment. Um, and that also, I would, I would say, goes on to include energetic uh, things, including emotions and past experiences and traumas, all of which are exposures, you could say that, that, um, you know, I like to explain that the human body and the human being is incredibly resilient. Um, and there's this book called Anti-Fragile by Nicholas Taleb, where he writes about how the human being, unlike almost any other thing on the planet, can actually gain from disorder or from dysfunction, meaning it can get stronger. Whereas the example he gives is, if you drop a glass plate on the floor and it breaks, we know that that's fragile. If you drop a plastic plate on the floor and it doesn't break, well, the word for that is resilient. But the human being, he actually had to invent this new word, which is now in the dictionary called anti-fragile or anti-fragility, because we possess this characteristic where imagine if you had a plate where every time you dropped it on the floor, it actually became stronger as a result of it, right? So it's unthinkable in any, in any just purely physical, uh, you know, mechanistic uh, matter. But with the human being, we actually can get stronger. So, um, you know, then the, the X factor or the question becomes when we are exposed to all of these different things, what makes the difference between whether we're going to respond by growing from it, getting, you know, stronger from it, or whether we're going, our body is going to respond uh, with a phase perhaps of weakening, of disease or dysfunction. Um, and as it turns out, you know, uh, this largely comes down to how our brain and body and nervous system are perceiving the information. There's this important perceptual side of things where, you know, we know that people have different perceptions. For one person listening to something like loud music, it might be really exciting and invigorating and have a very positive impact on their neurochemistry that's anti-inflammatory. For another person listening to the same loud music, it might be extremely agitating in a negative way, exactly. And it might actually cause the immune system to be temporarily suppressed um, if the brain has classified that noise as in any way a sort of threat. So, um, yeah, you know, to, to circle back around, sort of answer your question of, of, for me, what is that X factor? It's how and why the human body responds. And that's something that with some awareness, with some mindfulness, with some practice, we can actually not only identify in real time when it's happening, but we can influence how our body responds. Now, it's not to say that um, we can handle absolutely everything. And of course, you know, the human being is a, uh, you know, a physical and, and emotional and spiritual vessel. And if we are exposed to more than we can handle in a given time, um, there's going to be some, some, you know, physical, physiological, um, impacts of that. 
Um, but the interesting thing is now with all of the neuroscience research is that we actually have far more control than we ever thought before over um, our brain and body's reactions to things. And even Viktor Frankl back decades ago said that between stimulus and response, there's a space, right? And in that space lies our freedom to choose a new response. And I would actually take it one step further and say that it's not just about choosing a new response in the moment, but actually then doing that repeatedly, rehearsing that, practicing that, and training that over and over and over again. And then something really interesting happens. That new response no longer becomes something that we have to choose every time. It actually can become our new default response or the default reaction. So we're talking about things a little bit theoretically here. I'd be happy to share some you know, more physical or concrete examples of, of how this can work. But yeah, in an answer to your question, I think for me that, that X factor in healing is the ability to respond. Mm. That's, that's great. Thank you. That's really interesting. That ability to respond and the ability to also change our response. So to consciously choose to do differently or to respond differently. So that's where the neuroplasticity comes in. So we just, we basically um, uh, forming new grooves in the brain. So where something became an automatic response to a particular stressor um, or event, we now can change that so that we then, we then start developing new grooves into, in our brain and developing new responses. Yeah, exactly right. And there was an interesting paper written in 2011 called Rewiring the Stress Response. And in this paper published in the peer reviewed journal, um, he talks about something very interesting, which is a differentiation between the so-called threat response and the challenge response. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, both can be very similar in that maybe both of them would elevate the heart, but the quality of the experience and the quality of this response is actually quite different. And this is something that can be altered based on um, our own perception, based on our uh, you know, how we approach certain things. So, uh, you know, let's say if you have a big challenge coming up or something, you know, daunting with work or, or life or some trip you have to do, some conversation you might have to have. Um, we know that from a neuroscience perspective, if you view that as a threat, then the body will go into this pre-programmed state of what we know as the stress response and increased levels of cortisol, adrenaline, norepinephrine, um, increase the release of inflammatory cytokines. Um, and this has all been measured in, in real time uh, in many different interesting studies. Um, but if we simply change our perspective about the situation, that's to say we tell ourselves a different story and we now see this difficult thing that we have to face, not as a threat necessarily, but as a challenge, that's going to make us stronger. So now our orientation, our goal is more around growth, around exposure, around trying new things, around cultivation of the self, as opposed to previously where the goal was around safety, maintaining the status quo. Um, but simply in virtue of that, you could argue mental shift at first, it actually catalyzes a completely different response in the body that has a different hormonal and chemical profile, which results in a completely different felt experience mm. Mm. yes absolutely i just find it very interesting the i mean aside from what you just said but earlier just two pieces of information that kind of stood out for me and the one was how sometimes in in the reorientating of the body the body can get sort of weaker and it almost is like the the plate broke and then it put itself back together, but in a stronger way. And my experience by and large of, of ourselves in Western culture is we do everything we can to avoid anything that's uncomfortable. And so sometimes when we're having that bodily response of weakness, for want of a better word, where the body is kind of rejigging itself and putting itself together in a more optimal way, we can get in uh, in the path of ourselves or we can get in our own way or in the way of our body because we might take medicine to interrupt that process or we might do things to avoid the particular emotional states that go with it. And 
it was just really some reflection on on that particular thing and the other thing as well is the environment i see a lot of people who try to avoid challenging environments mm. and i'm not saying by any stretch here that we need really bad traumatic protagonists to constantly challenge us i mean sometimes just living is enough but we if we if we if we don't in the sense of a movie or a story you know the hero is no hero if there's no adversary mm. and our adversity adversity whatever it is so we do sometimes need the bad guy or the bad situation in order to find our capacity and find our ability i mean in a very simple example if you hadn't got sick you may not be here we may not be having this conversation mm. yes yeah yeah no completely completely agree and this notion comes to mind of sort of learning to dance with discomfort you know because i think this is an art as much as as a science and of course there's strong science and to the physiology of it but then when it comes to practicing it there's a fair degree of of nuance of self reflection of awareness about even taking you know uh, internal sort of inventory of um levels of discomfort and things like that because everything is is a process in the same way that if you go to the gym and you want to get stronger and you want to learn how to lift 500 pounds there is a learning component to that of proper technique and programming and all the rest and then there's a practical component where you're not going to watch a lot of youtube videos on weightlifting and then go in and say okay i, I think i've got this figured out now let me pick up this 500 pound weight it's it's a step up process and it's a back and forth process of sometimes feeling a little bit of soreness and a little bit of resistance and then having to back off a little bit and then having to get, learn more and go deeper into recovery aspects and you know eventually it's not a linear process but it's a strengthening one and i think that's such a key component to the healing journey is recognizing that it's not linear it's not an intellectual exercise and i think you know when a lot of people at first start to learn about brain retraining and um you know the neuroplasticity one conception or, or question that comes up a lot is well if i can change this through my brain's wiring does that mean that this was all in my head and you know the answer is of course absolutely not because the head and the body are connected and whatever happens in the brain changes what happens in the body chemically physically even structurally leads to to changes so you know we have to start to really um i think embrace this uh <clears throat> integrative perspective that we are whole whole human beings that very much resonates with our perspective just in terms of how much um attention is really given to just just the cognitive part i mean earlier today i was involved in a little bit of a debate around the semantics of thinking versus cognition and I was just sort of potentially arguing my side of the discussion was really just saying it doesn't really matter what you want to call it or how you want to slice it we need more embodiment we need to be more feeling and we need to be more in our body couldn't really care if cognition is the same as thinking or if it's diametrically opposite it's still in the same realm we need to incorporate this other realm if we are going to meaningfully transcend the challenges of our particular age because i think a lot of the challenges we live in at the moment just even beyond personal well-being uh our the way we treat the planet the way we treat each other the way we treat the environment is because we are essentially disconnected and we live too much up here mhm mm yeah 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 and and you know one one of the things that we really do in the reorgin process and program is to cultivate that connection you know to to close the gap of that difference between mind and body that we may have been practicing for a long time now it's time to what i like to say lose your mind and come to your senses to practice experiencing things through the senses which are incredibly powerful um and uh, i'm actually reading an interesting book right now called VRX how immersive therapeutics are changing medicine and it's about the use of virtual reality for overcoming things like chronic pain syndrome and um phantom limb pain and things like that and i give a, a number of extraordinary examples but one of the 
key learnings from, from this book is something I've been really giving a lot of thought to over the years is how the body, you know, always questioning that or asking this question, what is the body? What is the function of the body? What is the purpose of the body? Um, I really more and more, I see the, the body as an instrument. It's this incredibly sophisticated instrument, this sensory mechanism that, you know, it's been referred to as like a space suit, right? Things that allow us to travel through, through time and space. But ultimately, one of the points they make in this book is that the body is basically an extension of the brain, that the brain with all of its sensory mechanisms, its, its neurons and its networks unfolds itself through the body and through our feeling, our touch, our taste, our ability to hear and see and feel, um, we're actually using this instrument to perceive uh, information, to take in different information in all different ways in the form of light, sound, vibration, energy, physically, and all the rest. Um, and this is all making its way to the central processing unit. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting when you start to get deeper into, first and foremost, I'd say, understanding that intellectually, but then really what it comes down to is experiencing it. And you absolutely can experience this um, almost, you know, selflessness, this, this um, just pure integration of experience that that is coming in through the body yes absolutely and it is i mean we talk about sort of a holistic approach um, and i think that to me is is what you're talking about that this experience is a full body experience ben tell us a little bit about the program and the kinds of people that come to you and reorigin so you came to this work through your ill health um, is that typically the kind of, of person that comes to um, reorigin and does the programs? Uh, and what is the program? Are the programs different for different people? Or do you have something that basically people work through no matter what they have? Yeah, all great questions. So the majority of people coming to reorigin um, are struggling with you know, chronic conditions, things like chronic fatigue syndrome, long COVID or post-viral fatigue. Um, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, so things from the environment like sensitivities to mold or foods or EMFs, um, as well as multiple chemical sensitivities is, is very common as well. Um, but it's a lot of these, these conditions that are hard to understand because they're multi-systemic, you know, from a, a point of view of, of simply Western medicine. And, you know, the process is basically, reorigin consists of three main components. There is a neuroplasticity training program, which is a like an online, you know, streaming video uh, program. It teaches you the role of the brain um, in illness and, and recovery, uh, particularly the limbic system, this part of the brain that processes stress or the threat response versus the challenge response, um, and then teaches you specific exercises for uh, how to ultimately transition into a more parasympathetic state more often of the time. And um, to your point, you know, is it different for different people? Uh, yes, the, there's a core uh, series of exercises or sequence that's the same, but there are elements of that that would be customized or that would transition. And so we have, you know, examples for different conditions, whether it's Lyme disease or food sensitivities or chemical sensitivities or anxiety um, or even depression. Uh, so we have different examples of how you would adapt this, this routine uh, with respect to those, those specific experiences and conditions. Uh, the second component of reorigin is a community. So the whole thing, unlike a you know, DVD set or just streaming course where you're left to your own devices to watch it on your own, it's very much seated inside of a community which is very interactive. So people can leave comments and key takeaways and insights and questions beneath the videos and other members or moderators, uh, myself or other coaches can, can jump in and answer those. And so we have this ongoing, you know, very active learning environment, which was set up very deliberately um, because we know that the brain becomes more engaged when you're learning and applying as opposed to just sitting back and passively learning. Um, the community is also set up in such a way where it's very much focused on the positives, on where we're going, on making progress, unlike a typical support group, which might be aimed more about the conditions and, and things. 
Everyone who, who steps foot inside the reorigin community is, of course, familiar with the challenges. They're coming from that place. So everyone has empathy and, and compassion and can support each other from that place. But what we're supporting each other to do ultimately is to take these slow and steady steps forward to really exercise and work our ability to, to respond. Um, and so even the challenges we see as opportunities to, you know, practice these, these techniques and these strategies in, in um, ways that will strengthen us. And the third component is group coaching. So we also offer small group coaching for people that are doing the program. Um, this is weekly, 12 weeks at a time. So people stay with the same cohort um, and really get to see and help each other progress along the way during that time and form some very tight bonds. Um, yeah, you know, I think the the community aspect, the supportive aspect, and the belief aspect is so important. I really, truly think that the very first step to getting better, and there's a lot of steps one can take, but the first one is ultimately believing that you can. You know, we've all been through the experience of learned helplessness where we've tried to make headway with something or another and been met with resistance at many, many steps. And this can feed back into the brain and the limbic system you know, this, this sort of belief that we might feel like we're not able to take steps forward, or we've tried so many times and it hasn't worked. And this time will be no different. And in reality, every time is, is unique. Um, and having a community that, that can reflect that back to you, that can show you how much you are changing, how much you are progressing and how other people are, are doing the same, I think can, can initiate a really positive feedback loop. Yes, that's, that is so important. That community is so important and I think when we're in it when you're in the process or in the system you can't see what it looks like from outside so how wonderful to have a community that can um, give you some insight uh, as to what your progress is I mean we had a laugh we started uh, going to personal training at a gym um, at the beginning of 2020 and the first time we went uh, we couldn't finish. I mean, we were exhausted at the end of that session. We really just were. I came back red face, dripping with sweat. And our trainer at the end of the year gave us the same exercise schedule. She gave us again at the end of the year, just before we sort of closed out for the year. And we we finished it in half the time. Mm. <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't believe it. We were like, you can't be kidding. Are you sure this is what you gave us? And she said, yes, this is what I gave you at the beginning of the year. And you barely could finish it. So that was also a wonderful example of being able to say, wow, we have progressed. And so having that feedback through somebody else um, is, is, is amazing and, and, a, and a really valuable component of the program. Matthew, do you want to add anything? No, I just, I love it. The community thing is important. The feedback is important. Um, you know, your blind spots, they're called the blind spots for a reason because you can't see them necessarily. And if you're in it, well, what you just said as well, it sounds fabulous. Mm -hmm. And it sounds to me as well, Ben, that by doing this program, which is over a period of 12 weeks, you're also starting to um, build practices and habits, new habits that they can take then into beyond the program. So learning new habits and then continuing them once they, once they um, have completed the program. Because as we always say, change is not an event. It is a process. I love that and totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A change in, in any way doesn't happen by by event. You know, it happens by by process. And I think for that reason, it is important to have the uh, the feedback and community and things like that to feed it back to you. Because you know, I, I even say in the program, part of the um, the catch twenty two is that if you're doing it correctly you won't even notice or you might not notice the progress you're making until you take, you know, you kind of stop and look back. We always notice things in retrospect. And I gave this, this story I shared of my own experience where um, I remember when I was starting to get back to, to full-time work and everything. And I worked in this office building in, in Times Square, there was this, this one day uh, at, at first, when I first started making the, the commute, it was, I would sometimes have to stop every third step and even sit down and rest for a few minutes while all the busy New Yorkers would run past me. And I had so little energy. It was so challenging. 
And then I remember this one day, maybe, you know, 10 months beyond that point, um, where a subway door opened, I got out, I bounded up the steps to the street level, and, you know, looked at out the um, at the street, setting my sights in the office. And in a moment, I, I just took a pause. And I had this realization where I looked back down the steps. And I realized in that moment, what I had just done and where I had come from. But I, because the progress happens incrementally and we practice something called incremental training. Um, we, we don't necessarily get that jarring you know, experience. It's not like we wake up the next day and everything is completely changed. Um, and we wouldn't necessarily even want it that way because what I always tell people is that it's great if we can do something to help you feel better now in the moment. And even doing something like taking 10 deliberate deep breaths will change your stress response in the moment. But what's even more important, what I'm even more interested in is helping you to condition that as your new default response. So yes, it's nice to feel a big change in one moment, but what's even nicer, I would argue, is the ability to maintain that change over the long haul and to do it naturally without having to you know, apply a certain exercise or, or use force to get yourself there each time. Absolutely. So we're going from that that almost so the, the conscious incompetence. So learning something new where we are feeling a bit clumsy and then getting to that point where we are consciously competent and even unconsciously competent, where it just becomes natural. Um, and then we've really inculcated it into our, our way of being. And of course, then we have to find something else to challenge ourselves with because we can't stay stagnant. Um, that's what keeps us going, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly right. Yeah, in the reorigin community, we describe it as three phases of development, uh, very much incorporating, I'd say, the, the you know, conscious and competent levels and these, these phases of learning. Um, but we say isolate, integrate, improvise, where the first phase is really you have to isolate you know, an exercise, practice one thing like a, you know, um, a new uh, instrument player would just practice individual notes painstakingly a little bit at first, bumbling your way through, then you want to integrate them. So you would integrate the notes into a scale. And this is where you're now no longer necessarily only practicing, you know, these techniques or exercises in isolation, you're now integrating it into your everyday life. And then the final phase would be improvisation. This is the highest level of, of mastery or incorporation where now you're no longer thinking about it. The tools are at your disposal and they're available to be used intuitively. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. That's that's a beautiful place to be where you can just improvise. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Really, really lovely. And certainly a mastery, a level of mastery as well. Um, so Ben, how long have you been at Reorigin? And and what are your what are your plans going forward in the future? Yeah, so Reorigin in its current iteration has been around for two years. Um, Again, prior to that, for, the, for about a decade, I was, you know, on this journey already myself into neuroplasticity and coaching and workshops. And but in this current iteration with the Brain Trust, the community, and the program, it's uh, two years old. Um, really, for for the future, we want to um, just expand on the community aspect of it. We've started recently holding um, events over Zoom, and eventually would like to do some live uh, workshops in person, things like that. Um, but we've invited in a number of you know collaborators to um, teach special workshops, areas of expertise that they have, whether it's things like guided visualization or um, or somatic experiencing or you know movement certain certain ways. We have someone coming uh, this next week who's a, an EFT practitioner. So yeah, really just expanding the scope of tools and in, in the toolkit. Um, while keeping everything, of course, organized and accessible around this core concept of neuroplasticity and people's ability to, to change their own brain and nervous system. But yeah, you know, our, our focus is really right now around expanding the community. Um, we also have uh, some talks with a university that in the fall uh, will likely start doing a clinical study, uh, helping us put together a clinical study for uh, this work and, and research. Um, and then down the line in the future, um, I'm interested in, in you know, uh, potentially incorporating some technologies and things that can that can help to um, help people to facilitate these kinds of transformations and experiences. I, I still I, I think 
at, at my core, I would say I'm somewhat of a purist insofar as what I think the human being is and is really capable of. I, I, I think we, we can do a lot with, with no tools, with, with nothing, but at the same time, you know, as I mentioned from an alchemical point of view, we are here to evolve things to a higher level. And part of that human evolutionary process is the ability to create and use tools. And so I do think that there are some interesting tools and technologies that are coming about, um, including neurofeedback and uh, virtual reality and things like that, that could, um, that could act as, as sort of supporting um, you know, scaffoldings to, to help us with creating these transformations. And those are things I'd like to look at incorporating as well. I like the, um, the inference around the tools, because I think if you look at human beings as a species, is that we're the only species that needs to adapt our environment in order to survive. You know, we don't have the fur, we don't have the claws. We have to, and we had to, in terms of evolution, do things to manipulate our environment. And what I like about the possibilities of what you're saying is that we can use other tools to potentially manipulate our environment, but perhaps it's not so much now at this stage, our external environment, it's more about being able to manipulate our internal environment in order to ascend to a higher level of being. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I think I think training wheels are a great tool. They can, at a certain point, of course, become a crutch, just like anything. And I think that's where we want to use our our discernment. You know, if, if training wheels can serve this function of removing the the layer of fear, which could be a barrier to learning how to ride a bike but then you learn how to ride the bike, it was worthwhile to use the, the tools. Um, so yeah, I think we have to use them wisely. That's, that's our mission. We have to see what's available to us, how or, or you know, it might be able to be worked in, what its place really is, um, and then always remember what the goal is. And, and for me, I think the goal will always be some form of helping people to restore the ability to self-manage, to self-regulate, because that is also our our sort of, um, you know, fundamental given ability. Yes. And, and that also just resonates so well with us, just in terms of being able, everybody being able to do it for themselves, um, uh, really being resourced to do it for themselves rather than needing to depend on another um, or depend on something else. So um, very much re uh, um, resonates with with and our if, philosophy if you take the analogy of the training wheels you know a person can be a support a community can be a support but it could also be a crutch and using your words around discernment you know we have to be mindful and clear and purposeful about what am i engaging in and why am i engaging with it? because yeah at times maybe i want it to be a crutch but if it's a choice you know that sort of ability or that space to choose we we talk about the the sort of example is around grief and it's very important to experience and to feel grief but if you're five years in is that a resourceful place to be still experiencing it and if the answer conscious answer is yes well then cool if it's not then what can you do about it mm -hmm. and it's the same from a any other particular emotional state, we believe that emotions in terms of the word are meant to move, meant to come into the body, meant to move out of the body. And if you experience discomfort, are you okay to be with that discomfort? And if the answer is yes, then be with it, express it. But if you don't want to, then you can do something about it using the methodologies and, and practices that, that we've developed. So I really like the kind of constructive approach to empowering oneself first of all there's a level of awareness then there's the support stuff and then there's the recognition that you know where do I want to go with it yeah 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 exactly I think taking inventory of your your orientation and not losing sight of you know what your your purpose is for using any form of tool is, is key. And when you have a certain orientation, let's say when your orientation shifts from um, maybe a very specific outcome that was a preference to the main outcome being growth or personal evolution or cultivation, then all of a sudden 
it, that that is an alchemical process where it transmutes any obstacle or thing that might have been standing in your way into again an opportunity to to grow deeper and further and learn things in new ways and become more than what you were before i love it and what's come up for me is the whole concept and the sort of visual metaphor of re-origin really is it's like people come to you to solve a problem and hopefully along the way they alchemically evolve to this particular heightened and broadened awareness of it's not just about the problem there is something bigger that's actually at play and if i want to i can get involved in that mm. in making not just my world a better place but by sharing my experiences the the world a better place yeah 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 it's interesting i was speaking with one of our coaches the other day and she was talking about how um we should maybe do a workshop or something on uh really what it means to to heal and to move forward and for for many people at first in the beginning of the journey you know the, the question arises or the you can see the orientation is how do i get back to where i was right how do i get back to my self and what we're saying is is actually something you know different we're saying actually back is not where we want to go we we want to go forward from here and um it's it's challenging because like you said you know we have a sometimes preconceived notion or a problem that we think we need to solve and i even put this quote in the program because i think it resonates as, as so true from albert einstein when he said that you know um, it's not about finding a solution but undoing the basis of the problem and that in some some ways the old way or what we were how we were trying to move forward in the past really has brought us to this glass ceiling this point in life that's letting us know that that might not be the way forward beyond this point and in order to, to go forward we actually have to do something which is really challenging for so many people to do and because it's counterintuitive we have to withdraw our attention from the thing we think we're trying to solve or the thing we think we, we must solve in order to go forward sometimes it's much more about withdrawing our energy from it and placing it elsewhere i was explaining this to someone in the analogy recently came to mind that I, I think works well which is i remember in in college one of my roommates um played a lot of video games and he would become just obsessed with trying to beat this level over and over and over again like a hundred times really trying to you could see it was just polluting his his experience or he felt like there's no way forward except to keep repeating this level until i beat it sometimes you know we feel that way when it comes to certain challenges in life or anything we're facing we feel like it's basically you know the expression do or die it's like i do this or something bad or or else you know that's it and we don't realize that there's a third option you can turn off the game and go outside you can look out the window and have a completely different experience you can you know completely change your your perspective your frame of reference and now you are moving forward <laughs> so um yeah I, I think that part of the the human mind and, and brain is to get trapped in these sort of loops where it's just you know i explained to people we have to depersonalize it if you've been experiencing this sort of gritting or banging your head against the wall for you know weeks or months or years as many many of us have um it's not you there's nothing wrong with you um it's actually just a feature or function of the brain the same way that the eyes see and the ears hear and the nose smells the the brain thinks especially this limbic system just gets wired up and and it's like a problem solving machine not realizing that it doesn't really need to solve these problems or in fact the solution might lie in again withdrawing our energetic resources from them and um placing it on on something that's more advantageous to how we want to feel and function yes absolutely <clears throat> So then we have come to the end of our interview and just to say thank you so much for Let's call it a conversation. A conversation. True, it is like a conversation. It. It's more a conversation. And in fact, you know, we could carry on. We could really in, it's it's engrossing. It's so interesting. There's so much resonance and stuff yes. as well. So many things that people would like to yes. you know, delve deeper into perceptions experiences and what have you hmm. it's really been it's been fantastic having this conversation with you 
and uh, hopefully, well, not hopefully, maybe, you know, a year in, years down the line, we can reconnect, not only a year down the line, but we can then revisit what's happened in the world of re-origin and see what the shifts and changes have been there as well. But uh, really just want to thank you so much for taking time to connect with us today across the oceans um, using this wonderful technology um, yes. and telling us about your story and what you have um, developed as a result of it and really appreciate that. Thank you very, very much. Thank you very, very much for, for having me. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this conversation and certainly look forward to more in the future. So we usually end our podcasts and we will be, we'll, when we edit this, we, we end our podcasts with a poem. Do you have any poem that you particularly resonate with or enjoy that we could then um, read when we do our, um, when we do our editing? Yeah. We'll, we always read a poem, poem at the end of well, our You can read a poem if you feel so inclined. <laughs> You've got right there. I mean, yeah, it's up to you. Very, I very. I do actually. Interesting because I, I normally don't <laughs> have poems, but uh, this morning I wrote down a poem that uh, I didn't write it, but I had uh, heard it uh, in something that I, um, an audio that I listened to recently from, uh, uh, my, uh, I think it was Master Eckhart. Um, yeah, esoteric practitioner from the 15th or 16th century. But yeah, I do have a poem actually that I'd be I'd love to share. Fantastic. Good. So well, let's let's do that right now. Okay. Uh, so this one is called Opening the Heart's Door. I'll just preface this by saying that, you know, I think the reason I picked this one out is that um what resonated with me is very much in line with the way we practice things like, like neuroplasticity um, and everything like we were just talking about, that what we're practicing is, is actually exposing ourselves to the discomfort. And that when we do that, when we actually open ourselves, which is again, counterintuitive at first, it's, it's part of our experience is telling us not to do that, but we actually experience this immense sense of, um, and oftentimes surprising safety and, and security or unexpected feeling of being uh, supported like we, we didn't know we could be. So this poem I think is a good metaphor for that. It's called Opening the Heart's Door. Ours is not the work of seeking you here or there where we think you might be, but of opening the heart's door. And when we do this, you cannot resist coming in since our opening and your entering are one. You knock and wait, and when we open, we find that you were there all along and will not leave us. Mr. Eggart. That's lovely. That's beautiful. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really yeah, thank you so much. That is so lovely that we had it and that you had it at your disposal. Um, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> perfect timing. <laughs> so yeah. That is great. Thank you. Mm, nice. So, um, I'm going to edit this part out, but if we can say bye in the context of the podcast and then stay on just to sort of wrap out where we might want to go or just relative to some of the stuff you and I discussed, mm -hmm. because they will now be here as well, if that's all right with you. So yeah. what are we going to say bye for now? Or well, are we going to do our thing? What are we going to do? No, now we're going to say thank you. Again. Again, because yes. now we have a poem. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe we'll just leave all of this nonsense in. in yes, why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. So you go. I've done lots of talking. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say, really enjoyed the poem. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for being here in our conversation. And we look forward to staying in touch. Likewise. Long yes, absolutely. It's been an absolute joy and pleasure to meet you, Ben, and look forward to reconnecting soon. This was a real treat. It was great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Really enjoyed this conversation. Very, very resonant. I feel like we're all speaking the same language. That was great. What an amazing, inspiring conversation that was. So great to engage with somebody that is so like-minded. It was fantastic. And he had a poem ready for us. Well, yes, I think that was, I don't know what to say about that. Other than it was an incredible opportunity to engage with a beautiful human being doing amazing, beautiful and much needed work. 
And so if any of that piqued your interest and you'd like to know more, we will share Ben's information or the website for Reorigin in the description below. And yes, even now, as then, I came out of that space, really, wow, just inspired. It's time to say goodbye. We've come to the end of this podcast, which is a little bit longer than ours normally are. Um, but I hope that you enjoyed it. And until we meet again, remember, be kind and be gentle to yourself. And until then, for me, Chantal, bye for now. And for me, Matthew, yeah, just remember, it's better to engage in new activities. Challenge yourself to do new things. That's really where it's at. This neuroplasticity stuff, it is a thing that can support you to live a more fulfilling life. And so until next time, bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to know more about the work we do here at Fifth Place, emotional fitness work, then please visit our website. It's very easy. It's just the number 5th.place. Yes, fifth.place. And if you're interested in exploring more around emotional fitness and how to build your emotional fitness, you can attend or do any of our courses that are also available um, through our uh, website. And we will share the links for those in the description below as well. And then lastly, if you got value from this podcast, we invite you to match that value by making a donation. And not only does it support and honor the work we do and enable us to do more work, but more specifically, it allows and enables us to take the work into those spaces that don't have access to resources like technology, data, screen time, and so on.